Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. We're here. You made it. Thanks for stopping by. Bo Patton is on the show today. Bo Patton is a director, motion graphics animator. Bo's like the rest of us, man. He can do it all in the film and TV world. Bo has directed many digital series for HGTV, Travel Channel, Clash of the Crafters, One Bag and You're Out, are a couple of those titles. It's been a while since Bo and I have caught up, and Bo has gone through many changes in his personal and professional life since he was here back in 2020, and a uh, hundred episodes later, here he is. He's back. I thought we might as well catch up on the mics since we uh, hadn't caught up in a while. So, hope you guys enjoy our chat. Here's my talk with my buddy, Bo Patton. We're doing the pop New interface? Yeah. Nice. New interface. It likes to... likes to be... Uh... <laughs> New technology. Great. Oh, man. It is smoky in here. Brother, the sage you burned has warded off all spirits that have ever been in this building. (laughs) I lit it with a blowtorch and uh, left it there for a minute and came back in and looks like my college dorm room. (laughs) (laughs) You say a minute. We just sat outside for maybe 30 minutes just talking. Yeah, so it's been smoking up in here for a while. Oh, the demons are gone. Be gone, dude. I uh, let's see. I, I was I was looking back when you were here, and it was it was uh, let's see, forty eight weeks into uh, doing the podcast. So it was like November or December of was it really? It really was. I thought it was more recent than that. I thought you'd been here more recently, but according to the South of Scruffy Log, episode forty eight. No kidding. So the pandemic was already in full effect. Yes, it was. For some reason, I thought we had done this right before the pandemic started. But also, the past three years have been a complete blur. Yeah, I was talking about it today. It was either like it felt like two months or uh, 10 years, depending on uh, how you fared. It it felt like two months and aged me 10 years. Yeah, I think think it did. Man, I I didn't get many episodes in before the pandemic started, really, because my first episode came out in the beginning of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, did one every week, uh, all through the pandemic. And man, never had to do a, uh, never had to do a remote one or anything like that. I put a big piece of plexiglass up here and wear masks <laughs> and COVID tested people. And no kidding, I was surprised people came by and continued to do it, especially people who were as uh, as sensitive to the pandemic. Yeah, uh, well, as was, some of them were. It was funny. Uh, because we we talked yesterday and you're like, hey, come by, we'll do the podcast. And so I was like, I need to catch up on some episodes that I I haven't listened to. And uh, and so started with Randy Reed, yeah, which, phenomenal. I mean, what a guy, guy. Well, and he gave birth to one of my most favorite humans of all time. Oh, I thought Reed. that was his wife. <laughs> well, he I guess he had a, a part in it, but yeah, helped raised Ryan Reed. <laughs> and uh, so I knew the guy was going to be cool. But dude, the stories he has, not just about production. And like the local production market that I've 
made my whole career in. But I mean, going on tour with like the Dead and Marshall Tucker Band, and you know, building a six hundred thousand dollar grip truck and all those things, <laughs> phenomenal. But uh, I listened to Eddie's as well. Eddie Resendez, his second one, his yeah. second one. Yeah, and so he talks a lot about the Unreal Engine and all that. Yeah, but he was talking talking about the first time he came and uh, Sarah came out to like shake his hand. Yeah, and it was like at the height of the pandemic. Yes, and Eddie's just so like I, I, I don't know, I, I want to, but it's like everybody's telling me not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I saw Eddie at the uh, at the Lock and Key uh, Christmas party. That was one of the funniest on, interactions. On Shane Hunter's shoulders. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I just saw a pic. I had another uh, Christmas party I had to go to, so I, I I left Lock and Keys, but I saw a picture of just Eddie in in like that main like where the concession stand is at, at uh, central cinema at, at central cinema just on top of shane's shoulders and i was just like <laughs> man i wish i could have saw the interaction or like heard the interaction of shane being like eddie hop up here <laughs> chicken fight yeah <laughs> who wants some oh man when eddie was here i think i had a little too much tequila i uh i thought i'd you know be in the spirit i was like you want some tequila, Eddie? He's like, hell no. Not if yeah. it does to you. <laughs> Not if it's going to do to me or whatever the hell it's done to yeah. you. Eddie's 95 pounds, so yeah. wet. So that it hits him like a freight train, I'm sure. You you were there when I walked into the to the Lock and Key Christmas party. Uh, yeah. Did you hear what Eddie said to me? No, he talks so quietly. I didn't. <laughs> Was it just like, oh, God, here he comes? No, he said... So you you you're quitting Pop Fizz and coming to Lock and Key, I guess. Oh yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Which also congratulations on the new job. Oh, thank you, man. Dig it. Good yeah. good group of people. It is. I yeah. love those people. But I love that Eddie was making a joke. Making a joke, and we were like, "No, it's it's real." <laughs> the, what you, he's, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm leaving." He's like, "Where are you gonna go?" I was like, "The the thing you just said." Yeah, that's that's it's right. actually <laughs> happening. And of course, Eddie just being the funniest person on earth and whenever he says something funny it is so just like a quick jab and it takes a second for you to be like oh my god that was the funniest thing i ever heard he's playing chess dude he's while playing, we're playing checkers yeah he's playing 40 chess yeah and he goes and we're like what have you been up to he's like well i'm taking a job at pop fizz <laughs> we just the whole room just started just dying <laughs> laughing <laughs> Oh, what a guy, dude. We've, you know, we've got such a great, uh, a great group of people in the production industry in town. And I thought it was really special to have, to have Randy Reed here last week to talk about like where it all came from and kind of how it started and to hear because we owe those people a huge fucking debt of gratitude. They should never pay for a drink around us. No, they shouldn't because had they not, had they not put in all the hard work and mm-hmm. and demanded the professionalism that they did when they started even if they were all just f- faking it yeah even if they were all just imposters the psych wall that reed and bagwell built exactly is the reason for all of this it, it really <laughs> is and you know beth mcdonald was here and, yeah. and had a just i had people reach out from that don't work in production that mm-hmm. reached out about the Beth McDonald episode. And I thought it was going to be a little too esoteric industry specific and people that are, uh, my buddy's a fly fishing guide She's for Blackberry. Everyone. Yeah, she She's is friends with everyone. Yeah. She knows everybody. Yeah. But even my friends outside of the, outside of the industry were like, I think that was one of my most favorite chats that oh, you've that's had awesome. just, just because I got to learn so much about the, about the production, you know, world around here. People don't yeah. know why, why Knoxville? Why Knoxville yeah. yeah, and Jonathan Halley that owns mm-hmm. Big Slate. He was he's he says I don't know if it's right or not, but he says Knoxville is the fifth largest production market 
in the United States. I mean, if, by, John, if Jonathan Halley said it, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. But but <laughs> I, I, I think if you if you go by like hours of television produced per yeah. year, yeah. Yeah, Knoxville is has to be up well, there. Thousands of hours of of, of exactly. network and cable television are produced here. Well, and like Jonathan's probably right because yeah. when you think about it, like sure we have had Discovery, still have Discovery here, just not the brick and mortar. But then obviously Jupiter River, but then jewelry television. Huge is huge. I always forget about JTV. Yeah, because it is its own separate like entity out because there's no freelancers coming in there. They have internal staff for everything. Yeah. And they're and uh, I don't know. Are they 24 hours a day on TV selling rings and shit? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like when you put all that together, then also you have all like, you know, Tombris, which is one of the biggest ad agencies in in the, the US. world or yeah. us and, and i think the biggest in the southeast and then you have companies like lock and key pop fizz draft uh big, big slate. slate like th- everybody that's just creating so much different content not just you know a 30 second spot for a commercial or a murder show but you know a lot of instagram tiktok facebook ads sure which bunch is of digital stuff lots of digital stuff so when you finished art school and 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 I know there was some a lot between then and when you started working in the industry, but well, and art school is in quotations. Yes, the Art Institute of Tennessee Nashville, which is no longer there, was not a fine institution by any. Hey, any my film school's gone too. They folded. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I don't go to college, kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad I did because it gave me enough to be dangerous. It gave me five percent of what I know, and that's the five percent that got me in the door. And I, I, and I didn't look at someone with a blank stare when they asked me to get an apple box. I love that line. It gave me enough to be dangerous, and which is also very true for me. Yeah. Um, because I knew the names of stands, I knew the basics of editing and motion graphics, all of that. And but the first day I stepped on set with Draft, which was at the time Jow Prowl, was for a Clayton Holmes spot, and I learned more in that like eight hour shoot than I did all three years of my college career. For real. I, I believe that because when I started working with Michael Underwood, it was the same way. Yeah. Like I knew I was working with Chris Durfee and Josiah Morgan mm-hmm. and Michael Underwood. And we shot a ton of stuff all over the United States, but they brought me on. as just like the, the guy who didn't know anything, but had a good attitude and knew how to, w- would always say yes. And yeah. was always there to help. And, and, uh, they were not, I, I it was to my advantage that I didn't know what I didn't know because I wasn't threatening to them. Yeah. They could take on a mentorship role uh-huh. and show me and teach me how to do things rather than, yeah. you know, rather than uh, feel feel threatened by my mere existence. And I didn't yeah. have the attitude of being a threat. I knew that I was a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because like now I've been in this industry, like I've been in the production industry for almost 10 years now. And I don't know when it happened, but there is a switch from when you're like, I am just soaking up all information from everybody to now I'm a bit older and some college kid that's interning for the company just asked me a question and I knew it immediately. Now I am that angry old grip or, you know, DP that I once thought so highly of. Yeah. <laughs> and But you're not that. You're not. You have such a great attitude. And I you're, appreciate that. And you're... Uh, you're just a, an authority now because you have the you have the knowledge and the experience to 
uh, to be somebody's mentor. And that's an awesome feeling. It, it is. It truly is. Just yeah. be, like it, it, <laughs> it makes me, it reassures that I've actually been doing something and not just like hanging out with my friends. Cause that's what it feels like. Yeah. Like anytime we get on set with each other and we see each other's names on the call sheet, like a text will go out and be like, Hey, can't wait for tomorrow. We meet up. It's like we, ha- we've, you know, we saw each other yesterday and then, you know, if it's an entire week, it's like, I get to hang out with my friends all week. Isn't that so cool? And and I think that is a different, that's a, a different face of the industry that wasn't there when Randy Reed and Beth McDonald and Ross Bagwell were starting this whole thing. Well, it was a, uh, it was a prestigious industry and I think back then people were just a little grumpier and to Randy Reed's a- a- admission, like he said, he pissed a lot of people he off. He had a bad reputation. He had what a ba- he said. That's what he yeah. said. Yeah. Because probably for being a dick yeah, about, well, about things and, and, and it, about people not, not doing things the right way. And I, I feel like not, he's not the only, that's, that was, that was the landscape of the film and television industry. You were making TV. So you were, you felt like you were doing something very, very important. A lot of people were spending a lot of money on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't done right, then, you know, it was on you and you were wasting somebody's money. The stakes were really high. And I think that, that, that back then it was just okay for people to yell at each other and for people to not be kind to one another and to, uh, to, you know, just do whatever it took to get done. Even if you had to treat people horribly and work them for 16 hours and have them back five hours later, back on studio, back in the studio yeah. to, to do stuff. But now it's, I think it's a, ha- it's a, it's a happier vibe. People are okay. People don't have that chip on their shoulder anymore about, uh, about somebody coming to take their job or about somebody not doing things right. Uh, now it's, it's okay to work with your friends now and it's okay to have a good time on set. And that's something that I respect about, about Brian Allen that, you know, worked with for, for almost seven years is, you know, his, his number one thing was like, let's have a good time doing it. The work is important, but if everybody walks away pissed off at each other at the end of the day, then we might as well not even be doing this. And I think that attitude, I I don't think that's proprietary to him. I think that that has permeated the entire industry, at least around here Mm -hmm. to where people are happy to be working. They're happy to work with their friends and it's, and not be at a desk all day. Yes, yeah, exactly. In a corporate environment. Exactly. And and it's it's just a, a, a beautiful face that the production industry has here now. And I feel super grateful to be a part of it. And uh, it, But it, it did get me thinking, you know, about the whole uh, – about you and as it relates to the production industry around here as a whole. Uh, when you – when you first started here, did you know the history of all of it? Did you know why it was here? Did you know, or did you just know there was work and you were going to do it? I, <clears throat> I got into it because in high school, and I might've told this story last time, but in high school I was basically given, there's two classes left for me to sign up for. And it was either going to be interactive multimedia or cosmetology. Yep. Obviously went with interactive multimedia as a sophomore in high school. First time I really got to edit something, I had like a small DV cam. And so I just from that moment on, I was like, and my mom's a graphic designer. Forgot to mention that. So I was already kind of like involved in the digital art world. But um, 
from that moment on, I was obsessed with video production. And so I wanted to, I actually wanted to shoot and edit snowboard videos. That was my goal. Uh, then went to college to the prestigious Art Institute of Tennessee, Nashville, which is no longer there. Um, and kind of got a dose of realism of like, okay, shooting snowboarding videos might not be my bag, which now saying that I do know Justin Bergen, who is traveling the world with some of the best snowboarders on earth, mm. shooting them. Oh, it's like chasing snow all year round. Like he just, he went to Dubai with Sean White. Who is this guy? J- Justin Bergen? Yeah. You don't know him? No. Dude, he is amazing. He uh, he went to ETSU, and I met him at draft. He uh, would come in as like a cam op. Shoot wakeboarding stuff? Uh, no, he, he he was never on wakeboarding stuff. This was more of like, uh, I don't even know what projects we really worked on with him. But dude has an incredible vision, and and but he like, he would just, like he was at ETSU, so you're real close to like, Catalucci Beach, Sugar, those mountains yeah. up there, and Beach and Sugar, and even Catalucci have good terrain parks, which is like where people go to do like you know, rails, rails, and- boxes, jumps, all of that. Yeah. And he just knew the right people, and he would hang out there and just film whoever was there, and I mean, perfected the craft of snowboard edits and knows what to shoot, and and he can he used social media perfectly yeah connected with a skier that uh was sponsored by red bull i believe uh and that guy took him to i think italy to shoot a spot like just for his social media and that blew up to where he got he had a commercial run on espn now and then sean white had the whiteout collection i think is what it's called come out and and sean white literally flew justin bergen from east tennessee to dubai to, to film all that. And so is he filming on skis? Uh, is he on skis? I think he, he's on a snowboard. Really? I could be wrong about that. That seems like you're handicapping yourself a little bit, doesn't it? He's down for the cause. He ain't, he ain't about to put on some skis. <laughs> but he he very well could be on skis. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, no, Justin's, and Justin's great. But um, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> we had a little ADD moment there. Um, I, I didn't think that was the path I wanted to take was – to, Cause it was mostly just me and my friends in a snowboard mountain and me putting together silly edit. And I was like, I really enjoy this, but where's, where's it actually financially like stable in this industry? Uh, and then my dad was like, well, you know, or at the time Scripps network is based here. And I was like, what's Scripps network? And it's like food network, DIY, HGTV, HGTV travel channel, travel channel, cooking channel, uh, animal planet. Yeah, all, all that. Yeah, that was all here. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh wow!" Headquartered here, so I could, po- I could probably work for them, and <clears throat> so that was my goal. Then I was like, "All right, cool. I'll finish school in Nashville, come back to Knoxville, uh, and just work my way into HDT or you know to scripts." Uh, but then I think two months before, uh, two months before I graduated, uh, Jalprow, which. Uh, is now draft agency. They set off on a three week voyage uh, down the Tennessee river into the Gulf of Mexico. And they locked up their cell phones and this was 2013. So this is before the soul sucking vortex that social media is now. Yeah. They saw it ahead of time. Like, all right, let's lock up our cell phones. And they filmed the whole, the whole thing. They took two wakeboard boats and a pontoon boat. 
and floated down the Tennessee River. Got some great footage of professional wakeboarders and wake surfers uh, just doing their thing behind the boat, and then they would shut off the engines, float, camp out every single night, and they made a, a, a feature-length documentary about it. Sounds saw, so awesome. Well, and Alex Oliver, I actually went to high school with, but he was a bit older than me, but we were friends on Facebook. He's the owner of Draft? Yes. He, uh, I was friends with him on Facebook, and so I saw all this unfold. And then checked out their website, saw their demo reel, and I was like, that's, okay, that's it. That's the perfect medium between, like, me shooting cool shit that I enjoy and having a steady income and not have to, like, worry about, you know, snow being on the ground, basically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so immediately, I was already talking to him when I, gra- like, as I was graduating, I was like, here's my demo reel from like my senior project. Uh, I want to intern and went and interned and it was like, just hit the ground running. Like I said, the first day I learned more in that set on that set than I did my entire three years of college. And that like, that just hooked me. I immediately wanted to know more. I wanted to know all the ins and outs and I wanted to be as useful as possible. And, uh, I ended up doing two, terms of internship with them uh because basically i just wouldn't leave and they finally hired me as a production assistant uh and then just kept working my way up working on every project is if they came to me with like hey could do you think you could do this be like yeah absolutely and then go figure it out yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) then hit skillshare youtube yeah whatever uh tutorial service i could find and but then also like brian mcnew who is now at Elastic Pictures, uh, was a phenomenal mentor. As, um, as far as like how to think creatively, how to problem solve, and how to just like shut the hell up and do it. Yeah. Because there was a lot. He was like, why are you complaining? Like, just go do it. Why, why are we having this conversation? I was like, I, don't, I just don't know how to do it. He's like, go fucking figure it out. Who cares? <laughs> we have to get it done. Nobody knows you don't know. Yeah, exactly. And so- They uh, will if it's not done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's better to have something on the page than nothing at all. Yeah. And uh and so I'm eternally grateful for Brian McNew because uh because of that. I the day I quit, um I turned in my my two week notice. He took me outside and we were talking and I was like, I just wanted to thank you. You know, my dad taught me how to be a man, but you told you taught me how to take a punch because he like he would just he would make fun of you and it was one of those things that I was not used to. Yeah. And I was like, that actually toughened my skin to where I'm not like just going to be touched and like break into a thousand pieces. Like I know how to take a punch now. <laughs> and I, f- I fucking love that guy. I, I had a meeting with him uh, probably five or six years ago at draft. And uh, just to see if I could like, you know, work with them a little bit somehow. Yeah. I was already working with Pop Fizz at the time, but mm-hmm. uh, I met with him. They needed ADs. They needed, uh, they needed an assistant director. Mm-hmm. And I talked to him and I finally had to come clean with him and be like, man, I'm, I've got to, I've got to hang it at pop fizz. Like if you wanted to hire me as like a freelancer to do stuff here and there, but he was looking to, he was looking to hire somebody, I think. Oh and yeah. I, I, but that was the one meeting I had with him. He seemed like a really stand up guy. Dude, he, he's, he's awesome. Uh, it's something about the, those guys and that cut their teeth in news. Yeah. And then, because that, that's another circuit of production is like the whole news circuit, which every, every city, town, whatever has. Sure. At least one or two to three uh, news channels. But the chaos that goes on in a newsroom 
sounds unbearable. It does. And <laughs> I, I think that I, I think that you have like people that make movies look down on people that make TV. People that make TV look down on people who make commercials. Yeah. People that make commercials look down on people who make the news. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this whole hierarchy. Yeah. Because it's a different medium. You're not actually creating something yeah. that you want to create. You're documenting a thousand percent. But also like we've we've done TV shows, commercials, social, all that stuff. Yeah. We have we have good things to say about all those things. Sure. We'll have plenty of negative things to say about it. I've never heard one person in news be like, it was a great time. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> it is just always horror story after horror story. Well, man, I, I feel like, and I think I talked to Randy Reed about this too. Uh, everybody that I worked with uh, or that I saw new hire wise at Scripps when it was still Scripps coming in, mm-hmm. they they hired people from the news yeah. a lot. Well, and again, like that hierarchy, it was a, the hierarchy was the ladder almost, you know, like, all right, get, get, get your foot in it in yeah. news and then yeah. try to make your way up in commercials, then to TV shows. Yep. And then now it's, if you can, you know, if you can shoot social media, you can go out on yourself and by yourself and do it. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I watched the whole social media thing take off. It was, it was looked down on at a time because it didn't have budgets. And it didn't have eyeballs on it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't a viable medium. It was like, oh yeah, we have to shoot this social thing. We don't have a budget. Can you do it? <laughs> you know, all these commercial guys that you're going to be on their set visiting, they've yeah. got all the money. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but Dude. you got to make something for, for uh, Facebook. And it's like, and then you uh, saw that start to shift I, when I remember the moment, I remember the moment it happened. Really? Well, what, when, oh, when was I that? remember like the set I was on in the moment that I was like, this is going to be the new norm we were shooting uh the upfronts for listed sister in nashville uh and this was an hgtv show two sisters real estate show i remember that yeah and um we rented uh an alexa and we had uh, an easy rig which this was 2000 2014 15 something like that so easy rigs were you know fairly new one of those things that not a lot of people own so you had to rent them and so we had an Alexa with like cooked glass and on an easy rig, a really nice camera rig. Really, I just probably the nicest I'd ever seen at that point. Yeah, and we we're shooting all the upfronts, all that, having a great time. And then they turned to us like, "All right, so now we need to shoot for Snapchat." And we had to take this hundred and fifty thousand dollar camera rig, yeah, and turn it sideways, yeah, to and where it's the right aspect where ratio it was for nine a phone. by sixteen for a phone. And we shot that, and Eric Doty was the uh, DP for that, and we just looked at each other, and we're going, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. Like, we're shooting for phones now? Yeah. And we wanted to be, like, real snobby and all that about it, and then now that's, that is... That's the shoot now. That is the shoot. It's like <laughs> 9 by 16 and 16 by 9 are now, like, just standard deliverables. Yeah, which sucks, because... <sighs> They're two entirely different worlds. Man. They're exactly opposite of each other. Yeah. Those numbers before them. Yeah. Yeah. Really matter. <laughs> really, really, yeah, really matter yeah. because you're, it, you can't frame for both. Like if you're shooting something that's widescreen, 16 by nine, like the shape of your television, mm-hmm. you can take a square out of the middle of it, mm-hmm. which is like 
Instagram already, first was and already pushing it with yeah, that. You're pu- exactly. You're yeah. pushing it. You're leaving you're you're leaving out 50% of the frame, yeah. you know, 25% on either side. And and then now it's like, okay, are right, are you sure do we have to frame for square here for for Instagram, That's, really? And you have to put the guides up on your small HD and yeah. you have to do all that, but then and then they flip the script again. Yeah. Nine by 16. Yeah. And God, it was, that was a tough pill. It's to just so hard to capture both. Well, yeah. You know, if, if you're going to capture something vertical, then you want to get all your lights in yeah. and, and all that and light everything close to the talent. But then when you turn the camera <laughs> on its side, all the light stands are in the frame. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that was a really funny thing that you said in the Randy Reed episode of like, whenever it went from, four by three to 16 by nine you're like but all my light stands are there <laughs> it's the exact same thing we reverted back to the old ways yeah. <laughs> and we skinnied it up again yeah I messed it all up dude like this past year i i literally shot tiktoks on a phone for an ad agency so that is and i had to stream it to clients so that were offsets. That they were they were in New York, ten feet away from me. Oh, okay. But they had their own monitor. But I'm shooting on an iPhone. Yeah, and you know Derek Trimble, the master of all things transmissible, <laughs> just has a kit for it. He was just like, yeah, yeah take this. That's great, neat bud. It's, so the for me that is uh, one of those. It's interesting because when the change came and we wanted to start shooting stuff for social. Like, oh, can you add a social thing onto this commercial shoot that you're doing? It's like, you have a really nice camera, and everything looks really great, and you've lit it perfectly. And then compression happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But but where I'm going with this is that when it comes time to make this play as a social media reel, oh, people gotcha. don't buy it. Yeah. Pe- people weren't buying it because it's too... It's too, too pretty. It's too... It's too right. It's too yeah. perfect. And so... Uh, that's probably why you shot it on the phone because you get this, you you get this feeling from people when you're scrolling through your phone on Instagram. You see stuff and you're like, oh, that's heavily produced. So yeah. Somebody didn't make this. I, I, we still had a three ton grip truck on that. <laughs> I bet you did. And it's like, so the the it, I, I remember hearing like, yeah, this is good, but our the stuff that performs well looks like user generated content. Mm-hmm. UGC, like it it has to look like even if we light it and make it look great. Uh, it, you know, it, it still needs to look like somebody shot it with their phone. And yeah. so, you know, the easiest way to do that, shoot, shoot it, it with your phone. phone. <laughs> and, and what an epiphany. <laughs> I was talking to my buddy who works at Tombris and, uh, I actually, I've heard this story from a couple people who work at Tombris. They, they have this company, um, that, uh, that this client of theirs and it's, it's, I think it's a decent sized account and, they run their social media for them. They create all the content for their social media. They make all the posts. They, you know, they, 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 uh, they manage their, their whole social media presence. And they were, you know, going through this whole process of making an entire suite of videos for this company and posting them. And they were doing Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. And then some guy in the social media division or at, at Tombris or whatever, filmed something with his phone walking down the hallway one day and like just comes up with it shoots it in 15 minutes the biggest post they've ever had for that client it was more engage it was most yeah. engaging piece of content they'd made and so it's like oh no this guy just 
He broke called the our bluff. He, he, he broke, broke the system. He broke the well, system. Now they were, now they're going to want everything to look like yeah. that. Well, I feel like that's a good parallel to your again years and Eddie's talk about the Unreal Engine and all the uh, screens, all the all the well, LED screens and the stuff that you are building also, a world in a computer. Exactly, and like you you talked about it on Randy Reed's uh, episode as well. Like it the the whole production like. I don't even know what to call it. Production world is shifting into the screens, but then also you have Unreal Engine and now you have AI coming into the play. Yep. And it is, that's going to be a powerful tool. Yes. And uh, there's a guy in town named Alan Collins. He's a phenomenal uh, compositor, VFX artist that is already like playing around with it and created some really awesome results. And now, is it like is it is it videos that he's it, made with AI? It's 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 it is uh, f- pictures like but it's photos photos of like some of his favorite video games in like a different type of setting. Yeah, and but then he also he'll take that in to, like he'll he's a compositor, so he'll take it in Photoshop, cut all the elements out. Like t- he has all these tools that he makes his elements with, and then takes it into you know, After Effects, Cinema 4D, Cinema 4D, anything like that, and can create a video. And this is like six months into AI being like user AI being a thing. Uh, gener- generative AI. Yeah. Uh, so you've got mid journey and you've got Dolly, and, these, these generative yeah. AI programs where you type in a prompt and say, uh, and yeah, I, I think one of the best ones I saw was uh, that a buddy of mine made was like, Vladimir Putin as a clown or something like that. And it was just <laughs> immediately like, taken off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even show up. Didn't even show up. Uh, Hadn't talked to him since then. <laughs> <laughs> he disappeared, but you can make this stuff just with words now. Yeah. And, and it's very real. The, the one I saw was if the Avengers was made by Wes Anderson. Really? And like the nuance that, the AI picked up like I've love Wes Anderson seen. I'll say most of his films. Yeah. The nuance that the AI picked up on of like color palette, framing props, things like that. Uh, like Iron Man had like this nice touch of steampunk to him, but it was still very symmetrical and all that. Like the, just the amount of detail that the AI is starting to actually latch onto and, and produce is amazing what's crazy is that as impressive as all of this this visual generative ai uh software is and and the results it's coming out with uh the one that has blown people's mind the most is chat gpt man yeah which is text yeah and for people who don't know what that is you type in a text box a prompt Uh like uh i typed in the other day uh my, I said, make a, uh, write a poem about my, uh, the standings in my fantasy football league. Mm-hmm. And I typed in what team was in what place. And I said, write a poem and rhyming couplets in the style of William Shakespeare. Man. And it spit it out in 30 seconds. You know, what a great way to talk shit. Oh, it was great. As a, as a guy that's in two like very competitive fantasy football leagues, I would I wish I would have thought of that. It was great, and I oh never sent it God. to anybody because I was going to wait till the season was over. Um, that's, a, that's a good call because 
Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to poke the bear. Man. But it, it's amazing. People are cheating on their homework with this thing, getting it to write. Why would you form? ever write a college paper ever again, dude? I uh, because, the other day I had written a commercial and I was like, why don't I get ChatGPT? Chat give it a try. Give give it a shot give a and, and see see what happens. And then I you know threw all my shit in a banker's box and <laughs> packed up and left because it did a way so, better job well, than I could. Shit, but it, it like it is very like looming whenever you think about it that way of like well then we're never going to be able to do anything but it's just another tool you're going to have to be able to use these tools and know how to use them correctly yeah and And, that's where people are having so much uh people are having so much success with the generative the visual part of generative ai that the mm -hmm. when curtis glover was here he was talking about uh somebody who won a a big art contest in new york by using by using mid-journey or dolly or something like that uh, and they let it, they said it was passable because he actually did use, you know, he had to use some skill to yeah. create it. Well, I saw this analogy pop up, I think last week it was person using an AI generator is the caddy. The AI generator is the golfer. Golfer, you know, hits yep. an Eagle from 200 yards away. Caddy gets all the respect and it's like, that's not, that's not the way it should happen, but at the same time, kind of is. That's yeah. They had that idea, and I don't know. It, it, there is a lot of gray area there. I feel like there is. I mean, you can get good at telling these AI, this AI, what to do. Yeah, and who and who knows what these tools will form into? Because like, well, it's scary. I'll tell you that. <laughs> not just because it could take all our jobs. All right, but- so now this is the real podcast. Yeah, now we're right. going to start the real podcast. So, that first part was so Google and Apple form together and create Skynet, <laughs> and that's the end of the human race. That's kind of what it might be. Mm. I did listen to a podcast intro that was uh, that they used AI to make. I they I they input their uh, they input their voices. They gave they gave the AI model all th- their voices, and then they told them what they wanted to talk about, yeah. and then the AI mo- and then the AI read it as a conversation between two people. I can't believe I forgot about this. That that's that's crazy as well. But there's a podcast out called Dudesy with Will Sasso and Chad Colchin. Will Sasso was on uh, Mad TV. The <laughs> remember the guy in Happy Gilmore, the one of the movers at the very beginning. He's like, "You hit that guy." Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Will him. Sasso, <laughs> and uh, and Chad Colchin's been a writer in Hollywood for many years, and he's also figured out The Bachelor. I know way too much about this, um, but their entire show is produced by AI. They, how, how how do you mean produced by AI? So they have given this AI, which its name is Dudesy, they have given this AI all the access to everything. That AI has access to every email, text they've ever sent. Oh, um, Lord. All their social media, everything. And it creates four, three to six segments a week of what they need to talk about and it will go through their Google drives or their hard drives and pick out like old scripts. Like they have this, uh, pizza, the movie is one of them. And Chad had this script that he had written a short film on his Google drive. And his plan for it was like to sell it to pizza hut or Domino's. And it was 30 minutes. And you got a one, like when every time you ordered a pizza, you got a link to this and you could view it one time while you wait on your pizza to come. Oh, that's a good idea. And, but the AI found it 
And I was like, this would be good to put in the show. And so they've read through, I think, probably six pages of it or six segments of it now uh, on the podcast. And it's hysterical. And so did the did the AI does the AI go through their stuff and like word cloud what they've talked about, see what they talk about the most. And then does it give them an outline of what to talk about on the podcast the, or is, is the AI actually talking? It's for a character them? on the show. The AI is a character yeah. on the show. And uh, oh, it, my gosh, buddy. And it's like there's a few podcasts I have that I'm like every single week I have to listen to this, this, this Tuesday, 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 Tuesdays is what I have to listen to every single time. And it is hysterical. I'll listen to it. Uh, it's, I think they got, a, they're closing in on 40 episodes. So they've almost been doing it a year, but awesome. dude, it is, it, it was all, it's just, it's also fascinating seeing how it's learned because the first episode, you know, it was still funny, but as it's grown, it has created these characters within like the, the world, their world building. Ultimately. Basically, basically, but it's like, it's and it's not like AI characters. Will Sasso is a great impersonator, uh, and so and and so it has him read like it'll create his childhood diary off of texts that he's sent his friends back home in Canada, and it'll create this diary with fake people, things that never really happened, but like his the actual landscape of his hometown of wow. uh, Ladner, Canada, and uh, and he has to read his. Uh, childhood diary fake childhood diary as stone cold steve austin <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious man it's it's crazy and i wonder how we as a race are going to react unite, <laughs> unite against unite. ai <laughs> yeah. well i wonder how we're going to react to it because i i i've got uh, a friend of mine who works in uh in Charlotte at, at, at a big bank there. And mm-hmm. he works in invest investing. And, uh, we were hanging out around the fire here one night and around Thanksgiving. And I was like, you know, not to be a dick, but <laughs> what's to keep a computer from doing your job. Yeah. And he said, that's a great question. Yeah. You know, cause I don't know. And so I wonder how we are going, I, I wonder how the, the, how, you know, society is going to not let AI take all of our jobs. Like what, what are we going to do to, are, are we going to be the masters of the AI? I don't know, and how are we going to, and how are we going to do that? Let's figure it out on South of Scruffy podcast right now. Uh, well, we can, <laughs> we can walk through some scenarios, but well, I mean, yeah. at, at some point you're, you, you, we're getting a lot closer to iRobot than, uh, than, than we thought exactly. where there's an uprising of the, of the robots. Well, and, and like, Right now, it's just a, it's just in the, the ether. It is, it is available to everybody, and it's not a physical thing yet. But you know, robot servants are possibly a thing. And then, like, also, you have things like the Bolt, which is the robotic arm for cameras, yeah, to do crazy things. It's crazy, and so that can just AI can be a link to that to create commercials and stuff. Now, uh, it, like, it, I mean, with with what AI is doing, I don't think it, it'd be very hard. And I'm sure it's already in plenty of things that look like humans. Yeah, plenty of things that can move around. And I bet it's like, uh, well, you've got Boston Dynamics already. Have, yeah, have, they have the dogs and the uh, yeah, the actual like one that walks upright. But yeah, yeah. the, the that can shoot a shoot a a basketball from full court and make it every oh, single time. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, so what we're saying is we're done. For. Well, you know, let's, uh, uh, 
you know, if if let let's say that uh let's say that if there's any if there's any uh merit to the covid lab leak thing mm-hmm. uh i hope whatever lab they've got all these ai in Jesus. i hope there's not a leak there i'm not going <laughs> to sleep tonight man what the hell why would you say such a thing i hope that door is sturdy huh. yeah <laughs> so if one of those bad boys gets out but then that just means the ai is in the security system and then it's just going to let them all out and they're going to kill us all it is damn yeah it. i know they're sentient beings and they can uh you know they, they they're on the same team. What and, if they're on the same team? And then and then we're just gonna have to blow a hole in the sky to take the sun away, and then they're gonna use us as batteries. <laughs> I saw this in a dream once. <laughs> I just think we're a lot closer to the uh, we're a lot closer to that than we ever have been. And I mean, oh, I'm, of course, we'll always get closer to it. But yeah. now it seems like it's kind of not that far away. Well, I mean, it was a fun joke because I mean, our robot was what 2005. It had to be, yeah. and so you're like. One, this is peak Will Smith, and then two years like that is a that is a wild thing to think about. That won't happen while I'm alive. And now we're just like, all right, so we've seen what it can do in six months. Yeah, let's give it another year, and well, it's and not going to be recognizable. So the the this is probably a good thing. Chat so Chat GPT, the the text AI mm-hmm. bot, uh, OpenAI is the name of the company that that owns that. I think they sold to Microsoft last week. They did. They did. Yeah. That's probably good. I mean, I, I, I hate to, I, as much as I love to have it in my hands yeah. and to be able to use it. I well, mean, I, somebody with some control probably needs to regulate this stuff. True. But now it's only integrated with Bing. <laughs> so now we have to use Bing <laughs> to use it. Yeah, how do you pull Bing out of the gutter? Buy the most powerful AI tool ever. Brilliant! (laughs) Hey, that's scared money don't make money, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So have you used any of the generative AI tools to make any kind of art? Very lightly. I did uh, did the mid-journey thing, and I tried to create like... A blue tick hound riding a tarpon down the, you know, down the uh, South Holston River or something like that. Nice. And it came out looking, looking, that was my best one, but like I didn't spend a lot of time. But how long ago was that? Probably six months ago. It's gotten so good. Really? Like ridiculous. There's uh, my TikTok algorithm now is, uh, is like these AI things they've created and then like. 90s wwe promos and cooking it, that's all it is and so there's this one sect of like of ai where people just type in like sports teams and kind of put in the history of them <coughs> bless your excuse ho- me bless your heart um but it um the the ai will create this character for the team and so say it's you know the tennessee titans and it'll have this badass like it looks like it took somebody forever to to illustrate this this beautiful high definition photo and then guess what it also makes their arena and it's done it for every single team in the nfl and they all are perfect super high definition i mean like very like we're talking we're talking all the k's 4k 6k whatever you want so what is this company that's making these or who's I, making it's, it it's just a uh just on tiktok um some random account that always pops up for me 
I think like sports fanatic, you know, sixty nine four twenty something like that. I don't know. <laughs> that's my that's my <laughs> handle on yeah. TikTok. It's you? <laughs> are you, are you? So so you are talking about TikTok. You're you're aware of your TikTok algorithm. Uh, you know that you have one of oh, these things. Yeah. I mean, I know they're. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I know they're they're building a profile on everybody. But. Yeah. Like whenever, I it, whenever it's just like cooking videos and then like top five Goldberg like entrances of the late nineties and then a video of a dog and a band I like and that's all it is for the three hours I scroll on it. It's like, yeah, <sighs> do okay you do they three hours on TikTok? It it'll be from the hours of like one AM to four AM and then I'd be like, Oh my God, it's four AM. I see the I see the lady is like, I know. And have you seen that yet? No. If you I, scroll I too long, they have like, they have things of like, I know scrolling's easy, but let's take a few moments to take a deep breath. Scroll, scroll right past her. Give me. So they have, so it's almost like the, the, the gambling apps that are like, you've been playing for 30 minutes. Here's the hotline see, for, for gambling addiction. That's, well, I, I don't gamble for that reason. I'll, instead, I'll go on TikTok. Okay, that's it, good. Like, it's cheaper, I'm sure. <laughs> is it? But Man, yeah. don't you know that 90% of gambling addicts quit right before they're about to hit it big? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'd be great at it. Yeah. No, I've I've tried it multiple times and I never hit a bet. Really? And I was just that's like- That's probably good then. Yeah. It, it, it taught me early of like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So you do use TikTok though, yeah. Well, and like I, I, I've never posted anything, but it, ah, really? Yeah, a, vo- a voyeur. Yeah, it was just like I had to check it out to see like what it was all about, and because I and they got the claws in you. Well, because like you know, my group chats would always send these TikToks, and it'd be like videos I actually found funny or interesting, whatever. And I was like, okay, so there is some you know cool stuff on here, and I've gotten it really into cooking here recently. Nice. And, um, I, uh, I just, I started following a bunch of cooking pages and like liking those. And so more would pop up and there's just something about the ASMR of cooking that whenever I'm lying in bed at 3am, that helps lull me to sleep. But then also I'm staring at a screen. So that keeps me up again. Uh, So then we go for another hour. Yeah. I, uh. Yeah, I, I'm wondering why you're up till 3 a.m. You keep some odd hours, man. Dude, that's, that's late. My natural circadian rhythm. <laughs> if the world could start at 11 instead of 9 and go to about 7, I'd be in the perfect spot. But And that's also me as like a video editor for many years. Being in a dark room staring at a screen. and But then also like I'll just push through the night. Like I, I feel like I get the most done at um at like midnight to 6 a.m i did that many many times um to you know meet deadlines whatever like is that what got you in the habit of of, did that get you in the the habit of keeping those hours that's just what i i did that was just how i did it of is it a procrastination thing? Yeah, there's a lot of procrastination, but it's also whenever it's down to the wire, like gun to my head, that's that's where I do when the best, best work comes out. Exactly, because like yeah. I know, and I know again, that. like back to <laughs> Brian McNew talking to me of like just get it done. 
And it's like, okay, when I know that I have to have something out, that's when I do the best work. That's always what I've been able to focus the best. Too. Exactly. And that probably says a lot, but, but I get too precious about stuff. And so if I'm working on something, I will get really uh, like, let's say I'm writing a script or let's say I'm doing an edit. Mm -hmm. I will try to make everything. I'll focus on the wrong things. I'll try to make it as perfect as possible. Yeah. And then when I start to run out of time, that's when I just start, that's when I just start going just and doing it. And then I still have the same standards. Mm -hmm. uh, I just have a timeline. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to work way quicker and able to use all the tools to, to, to still punch stuff up and to make it as good as I want to make it. Uh, it's just up against the clock yeah. now well, and, and I'm like, doing it faster. And I've noticed in editing more times than not, it will like things will fall into place like perfectly. So, like with the music or something, whenever I'm down to the wire and I'm just like basically just throwing paint at the wall to try to create something. There will all, there will be two two to three moments every single video where like something just lines up perfectly. Yeah, random like, sync. And you're just like, this is why we do it. Like yeah. you know, this, like that. That's just a, one of those small victories you kind of have to take in that. And so th my my schedule has always been like I've always been a night owl. Yeah, I've just from the day I was born, I've always had trouble falling asleep. And it's because I want to be up during the night. Like that's, it's FOMO, nice, baby. nice, like, well, it, it, I mean, even as a kid, it's just like, that's nice quality, silent time to, and then like, you just get lost in your edit or your motion graphics, whatever you're doing. And it's just free time to think. Cause if I'm in an office with a bunch of other people, there's a lot going on. And I just, I, my attention naturally shifts to something else. You're an extrovert. You think? I, ooh. I'm either an extrovert with very introverted qualities or an introvert an with very extroverted qualities. Because yeah. uh, I was what would consider like a shut-in until I got out of college. And, and honestly, what like we were talking about earlier, my senior year of college, whenever I actually moved in with some roommates and got a house, um, that was the first time I was really social in college. And then beforehand i was i was never social in high school anything and uh it i don't know it, it that showed me that i could actually talk to people i can make friends and that's what's i'm not gonna lie carried me through a lot of my career um your personality just like being able to talk to people yeah and like be the fun guy on set and the guy that's down to go grab a beer after set and just catch up talk about what you've been into and like there's you know a thousand people that know that know more than me and can do a better job than me but people still hire me because they want to hang it like we like i'm a good hang on set i hear that a lot and i'd like not to brag or anything but i've been told by multiple people like we love having you on set because you always you're, you're very professional but you you're always a good time and it's it, you're just a fun time to have on set. I was like, I'll take it. I, I I'll take it back to what we said before. I, I think the in the early days of doing this stuff, in the early days of making film, the the uh, the craft was paramount. And if you were an asshole to work with, nobody really cared because you were good at your job. Mm -hmm. And I think because the 
barrier to entry is so much less now. People can do it. A lot of and a people lot less cutthroat too, because it was cutthroat. It was, and so now I think that people would rather have someone who can do a job with eighty percent proficiency, who's a good hang, rather than the guy who does it with 95% proficiency, who's horrible to be around. Yeah. And it's, and like, I've seen those guys get phased out of the industry in Knoxville. Exactly. And it's, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, but I like being able to do, I like, like Eddie was talking like, what, what did Eddie say about being a director? It's about having taste and problem solving. Yeah. That like, I love that. That is Put it on a T-shirt, I'll wear it every day. Sure. But problem solving is what I really enjoy. And so if it's problem solving as a grip, great. As a DP, great. As a director, editor, whatever. I love figuring out these problems between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. most <laughs> of the time. But like it, I, that's what the fun part is to me is like figuring out the puzzle. And here's the thing about the puzzle. Nothing really has a final shape and it's not the right way to do it, but it's also not the wrong way to do it. But yeah. You, you have to build get all the pieces. These, you have to get all these pieces in a box. Yeah. And that is what, well, that's what's, that's, what's been so interesting to me. Cause you know, my dad is a label salesman and what kind of label, uh, what, kind of, wa- what kind of water heater you got? Really? Yeah. What kind of water heater you got? I don't know. Hadn't had to mess with Linneo it. Smith, American water heater, something yeah, like that. I don't know. Probably, Does he make the labels for probably. it? Yeah. He's, he's sold every single one of those labels in the, really? in the Southeast for the past uh, two decades. He's a salesman? Salesman. Of labels? Yeah. Does he design them? Uh, no, that, you, that's my mom's job. I was going to say, your mom's a designer. <laughs> yeah. um, no, my, Tony, right? Tony, yeah. I met him at the Billy Dude. Strings concert. Oh, you sat right next to him. I did, the whole time. We we, we shared some fun. We did. We, yeah, we did. <laughs> Probably some COVID. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, he... Uh, my dad's the fucking man. <laughs> Every, everyone that I've ever introduced my dad to likes my dad more than me. And I know this because every single one of them tells me, um, but he started, <laughs> that, that's a testament to how much they like you, uh, that they can tell uh, you that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he started off as a, a janitor for a Tennessee tape and label and then got hired onto the floor as a press operator. More time passed, ended up, uh, as the floor manager of Tennessee tape and label and then pulled all of his money and then got some like loans from his family to start his own company, Knoxville Flexographics. And then he joined with another company to create consolidated products. And that's, then he just started selling labels. He didn't have to print them anymore. And then while I was in college, that company consolidated got bought by WS packaging, which was the, one of the biggest, label for providers in the world and my dad was uh their top salesman pretty much every year that he was he was there and so i always get to say that my dad is the best label salesman in the world <laughs> it's a cottage industry but you know, <laughs> yeah but, he, but he's, he's, the he's there he's yeah, there he's the best yeah well talking about you know all the things that you've uh that you do <clears throat> excuse me on set Boy, that sage is really getting to me. Uh, <laughs> all those things you that you do on set. Ain't no demons in here, though. No, there's not. Uh, you've, like, since the last time you were here, you've, a lot of changes have happened in your life, and I've seen you 
have seen you start to do a lot more in the industry. Yeah. But what has like since you've been here last, what all has what all has changed to make all of to to make you uh the kind of Swiss Army knife ultimate tool that you that you are? Well, I I'd always had like like I was saying at draft, like I wanted I wanted to work there. There was no real place for me because they already had everybody they needed. So I had to kind of fill these gaps of just wherever somebody needed help or whatever. And so that helped me learn all the aspects of video production. And that's just, that's just snowballed the entire time. Cause straight from draft, whenever I went freelance, um, got that contract with HGTV and started doing, uh, their social, like a lot of their social content, for tabletop handmade those things training topics and it was typically me and a cam op and then the talent and so i would have to you know set up lights set up all the cameras audio all that and direct at the same time then i would take all that i would we'd shoot for three days shoot six videos in three days i would take that and the, basically the rest of the month was editing that and doing revisions and then i'd pick up a few more freelance gigs here and there um, so it, it's just been a steady incline of <laughs> letting people know that I was like, Hey, I'm down for whatever you need yeah, and whatever you want, I'll, I'll do. Um, it was kind of crazy. I remember one of the first times I worked with you that you were shooting something. I just went to can to camera op for you out at uh Marianne Canada's that, house. That's yeah. That was trending topics. That was, was it? Yeah. And you had all the, all the handmade Dude, people. Yeah. This is my favorite story of Ben Fields of all time. Uh, so we met. When we met, you were a cam op, and then you started leaning more into the AD role. Yeah. And then you pop up on one of those sets, and I was like, man, Ben, I hadn't, you hadn't been shooting a lot lately. Why, why haven't you been shooting a lot? he go, have you seen my work? <laughs> I just, just immediately, it was like, that's the, one of the best Ben Fields one-liners of all time. I've got a little self-deprecation yeah, in my oh, game. Man, I probably, great. probably shouldn't be that way. No. But but uh, I remember watching you. It was the first time I'd seen you in that in that kind of role where you were having to create all of this. And I could tell that you weren't I, like, I, I can do it. Like I can, mm -hmm. I can set, I can set lies. I can do audio. I can do whatever I need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I could tell I, I was trying, I, I was there to, to, I was there to support you. Mm -hmm. And I could tell that you were used to doing everything by yourself <laughs> because because when I, you know, when I'd lean in to help, like just like the look in your eye, like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe you anticipated that need or, yeah. or whatever it was. But I could, uh, and then we shot the the uh, uh, what was the name of that competition show? Clash of the Crafters. Clash of the Crafters. Yeah, and you did that, that and was, uh, it was brilliant, man. You did such an awesome job, and I was so impressed with uh, man, your ability to do all of it. That's and that was the like. That was the first time that my sole job was directing. Yeah. That was like, that was, they're like, you're there to direct. And I was just like, uh, okay, what does that mean? I was like, what does it mean? You're like, just, I'm, I'm used to doing to all the stuff. Well, but it was like, what, how do you just, how do you direct this show? Like just a show like this? I thought like it, it, it does itself naturally, but no, it was like, it was a big learning curve. Like first day was always hard. But it 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 turned out great. I thought it was awesome. Um, and then that led to more like directing work with with those same people, and which also 
shout out to Marianne Canada. Hell and, yeah, like, man. Liz Gray, like that whole team. They like they I owe them so much. Like I and again, I've had so many great mentors in this business and that's that's where like all of it comes from is like having good mentors that love you and want to see you succeed and that believe in you because they will they will drag you along is like even if you just dig your heels in they'll drag you along up the mountain with them because they'll they'll just they'll teach you everything you need to know and, and they're so confident those two ladies that you mentioned in God. particular the, and they're they're so experienced in making the the type of content that they make yeah. that even if you doubt yourself yeah they they will pick you up and yeah. say no man you can do this exactly i it, can i know how to do it and you know how to do your job yeah. we can do this you can do this yeah well and that was so like with clash of the crafters and then one bag and you're out um that was marianne and liz being like all right bo's gonna run like he's gonna be director because like i basically did all the the trending topics and all that um for multiple years so you knew myself. the model and you I, knew just, how I knew i knew what they were looking for and yeah. they they trusted my vision and you know being in the for the first time being there with like your own gaffer and a, a dp and a cam op and and like own stylist and all that you're just like i shouldn't be here right now like this is gonna this is gonna go to hell in a handbasket it's gonna be bad total imposter syndrome buddy me and that word have have history and it's it's reared it's ugly head many times but yeah it is it's imposter syndrome just because i'm like if i'm making this it can't be that great i'm not scorsese i'm not tarantino what the fuck am i doing here but it but again at the end of the day something has to get done so you have to have an end product in in video production and so you just keep chugging along and like learn along the way and that's gotten me to this point at least. So I, I, I like to say that it works. So the last time I, I could be wrong, but I think the last time we worked together was probably in the fall last year on uh, farm on bureau. a farm farm a series of farm bureau yeah. commercials. Have was, you seen them yet? I haven't. I don't think I They're have. On, I saw it after the uh, Green Bay Packers game the other night. It was nice. on. Nice. They turned out awesome, man. Yeah, they look great. And you and Shane did a great job. Uh, Shane Hunter, you guys Dude. did a great job making those look awesome. And you did, you punched way above your weight. You guys were a, a two man, you know, wrecking crew out there, just making everything look beautiful and, and had so many obstacles yeah. throughout a week. I mean, it was a hard shoot with yeah. lots of company moves, shooting all over the place, you know, direct yeah. sunlight in the middle of the day, and yeah. everything looks awesome. Yeah. It was, uh, Again, another great mentor, Shane Hunter, that like just he just he was like, You can you know what a combo stand is from a C stand, right? And I'm like, Yeah. He's like, All right, come here. Um, and just took me under his wing and like just taught me the ropes of really what a, being a true gaffer and grip is. Yeah. Um, even though I did that feature like a few or like in twenty twenty one. Where Which I, one? Uh, it was called Homestead at the time. It's now called Memento More. Uh, they had their premiere, I think October of 2020 or 2022. Um, but that was like, just got a cold call. Uh, or actually, no, Miranda Price was uh, line producing it, I think. And she was like, hey, I need a, I need a, a swing, which is 
like helping both electric and grip. Yep. Both those know, departments. Both those departments. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And I learned a lot from those guys as well, like Zach Bartlett and uh, Otto Geyser from LA. Great dudes. Um, but that was that was a three week, four week battle, like because it was overnights, it was all those things. Um, but it, like having those mentors help immensely. But the Farm Bureau commercial, yeah, it was, it was like it turned out to be tough just because of how much setup it took us and then also had to tear that down. And then we moved to another location. And it was like, at times it felt like everybody was waiting on us, but that is, that's part of the game. You know, we got to wait on somebody. We got to wait on somebody. And it like when you're first in last out, that's, you know, that's yeah. always how it is. Are you saying you could have used another guy? <laughs> always. <laughs> but it's funny, we were talking about, uh, you know, earlier we were talking about you with the Durfee and the other two guys. Yeah, Michael uh, Underwood and, and Josiah Morgan. Yeah, like, and you just being the guy there that's just like, hey, I'm I'm willing to help, like, what do you need? Yeah. I've, there's companies, you know, will have those all the time of like, hey, this is so-and-so's friend's kid, uh, thinking about getting in the industry, like, you teach them some ropes. And we call it, we normally call that like a warm body. We need yeah. a warm body. Yeah. It's not all it takes because it it's also takes like somebody that's willing to learn and be invested in it. Sure. To actually learn something by the end of the day. And then when they come back tomorrow and you ask for something, they have it immediately on hand and they're not afraid to ask you questions because they don't know what's, you know, what it is. Those are the type of people that really succeed in this industry. Um, and you can usually tell those kinds of people about the uh, first 10 minutes of working with do them. Do you know Weldon Wright? No. No, we talked about it yesterday. Dude, that kid is fucking awesome. Uh, same same, uh, uh, same kind of vibe, like just tell him once and he's got it. And he is just, he is down for the cause. Yeah. We did a Food City commercial. I don't even know when this is September maybe. Uh but it was an overnight. So we we're eight PM shoot, shooting in a store. Shooting in a store. And we had to shoot while the store was closed. Right. And be out before they opened. Yeah. So customers could do their thing. But we also showed up two hours before they close. So it's eight AM to eight, or eight PM to eight AM. Which is which falls right into my normal schedule. <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, it, it it's hard. Like that shit's hard. It's really hard. Like everybody, by the time when you start seeing the sun come up, everybody is on their thirteenth coffee with Red Bull, and anybody <sighs> could, bless you. Excuse me. Anybody could say a single word, and you're just like, I'm about to rip your head off. Yeah. Because everybody's sleep deprived, jacked up on caffeine, all these things, and then I. Then we just see Weldon being like, and he'd be like, "Hey, what's up, y'all? Y'all need anything? Like, I'll, I'll grab you. Like, I can carry stuff." We're just like, "How are you, this person?" Yeah, <laughs> and I, I love, I love you. you. I love you. I yeah. want you to know I love you. But the kid is a hustler, man. Uh, he has like he has his own company, X World. Um, he's doing like music publishing and stuff like that, and like and trying to put together shoots. And then we were talking the other day. He was like, "Hey, how you feeling?" I was like, "Just trying to get my life together after the, you know." year in bender he's like we're in the same boat i think i'm going to start a podcast and I, I was like and i was like man i've been thinking about that for years and blah 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 i go to the gym come back 
look on Instagram. He's already created an Instagram page, got the graphic ready, and like he's starting his own podcast. That's I was like, great. I said, man, you work quick. And he said, I had a whole day. I was like, <laughs> that's what we need. <laughs> so it's like, I future generation, if they're like that, then yeah, there's going to be some hardworking motherfuckers. Got to be if you're going to keep up with the AI. Well, there you go. <laughs> That that they can't do that. Yeah, I can't do that. They can't keep a good attitude at four a.m. Mm-hmm. Well, what else? What's uh? What else has gone on since since you've been here last? I feel like you're almost <laughs> a different dude. Uh, you know, hair's a little bit longer. Uh, Is it started jujitsu? Uh, I don't know. You want to you want to get into that? It's up to you, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I I got a divorce. Um, it was it was you know pandemic was rough on everybody we yeah. we had we had six months of marriage and then pandemic hit and which is just put a strain on everything let alone a new new marriage um but it was like the great part was is that we had to answer a lot of questions that people 10 to 15 years into marriage just start answering yeah um, yeah, it's and so a, it's we, an accelerated uh, and, marriage. Exactly, and so we got we uh, we answered a lot of questions, and uh, and yeah, it it happened, but it happened for all the right reasons. It, I'm glad it happened. We're both glad. We we're on a, on very good terms. We talk regularly, um, and still love Charity to death. She is a phenomenal human being, and, and probably the hardest working person I've ever met. Um, but that, you know, didn't happen overnight <laughs> whenever you get a divorce. And so you mean uh, your, your, your feelings toward her didn't happen overnight? Oh God. No. Like, well, just being to the point where we could have a, a conversation face to face or gotcha. we're in the exact same industry. So show up on set. That was, you know, show up on set with your ex is not something you really look forward to on a regular How basis. How long after the divorce uh, was it before you guys showed up and had to work together? August. September. September. How long is that? Th- three months. Three months. Yeah. Had you, How were things at that point? Uh, we were in a bit of a tiff at that point. Okay. But the next time we saw each other on set was like four months later. And, uh, and it was great. Like we, we both like, kind of crowd ourselves into a corner and like talked and both like openly cried on set, big hug said, I love you. And we went to our separate sides to like process everything that happened. Um, but it, it is one of those things of like, I'm glad this happened two years into marriage instead of, you know, 15 years. Cause yeah, with so, kids is collateral damage. And yeah, all exactly. That. So like, pandemic happened and then we went through an entire year and a half of the pandemic so we were we were married for two years and one and a half of those was in the pandemic and like in the heat of it to where it like yeah just straight chaos there had to be a ton of stress because you know she has a a company that was you know i'm sure very uncertain because of because production was down you're in the business you also you know, ran that company with her as well. That had to, well, and then also I was, I was freelance. And so, you know, a lot of my, my business was HGTV, but that faded out. And I, and I got caught in the, not caught, but I fell into depression, like, uh, within the, within the pandemic, like a lot of people did still, still married, still married, still married everything. Uh, but, 
like I, I ended up breaking my foot in July, I think, and uh, got sidelined for like four to six weeks. Uh, it's the first time I've ever broken a bone either. First time I've ever really been like told like, hey, you can't move around. And uh, that's really when I saw like a decline in in like my mental health because I was like, I'd love to go run, work out, go swimming, whatever. And now I have like, you know, a hunk of plaster on my leg. Can't really do anything. And, uh, that's, I started like, I was, I already had like a trouble with procrastinating, but that's, it took a like big uptick right there of just not wanting to do things. And so I'm, I solely messed up my client during the pandemic, lost them. And then, and luckily that's when charity's business started to pick up. And so I started doing a lot for charity. Um, but it, uh, at the end of the, like after eight months of that, I was, I was basically a bum, man. Like it was hard for me to get out of bed. Uh, just and, from depression. Yeah. And cause like it was whenever I get off a pattern, I am left to my own devices. It was like, Good luck getting me out of bed. Well, and I'm sure that that it's it's probably pretty easy to feel down on yourself when you've had the misfortune of, you know, a self-inflicted wound like losing a client, mm-hmm. being depressed, yeah. and then looking around and say, "Oh, I'm working for my wife now." Like, yeah, but it was also like still in the same industry. I enjoyed like I was building a lot of stuff. I really enjoyed building, but towards the end, it was we again, we had to answer a lot of questions that, you know, 10 to 15 year old couples have to answer. And we just, we weren't compatible at the end of the day. We were very good friends and very good coworkers. And we, where we both based our whole lives around our career when we met that obviously like we became best friends immediately. And so like, of course you want to continue your life with that person, but we had some core differences and, at the end of the day, it just, it didn't work out. And, and she made the hardest decision. She was the one that set me down and said it. And I commend her for that because that. Cause took, you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It took so much. Like we were both just miserable by the end of it. And so props to her, man. Cause I think it saved both of us from like severe hatred of each other. Yeah. And, uh, but that, so that happened and then it sent me down a, a spiral, like really, I, like there's a there's a big even tr- deeper than you were already in. Yeah, oh buddy, this. So you you that, you were like, at rock bottom and you fell farther. Exactly right. <laughs> that was exactly oh, right. Oh no. Um, I uh, like there's a big uh, big trend going on right now of people being like, I'm about to enter my villain era. I just got out of my villain era and I was in it for the past, you know, year and a half, almost two years. Just today. You've just now you're getting out of it. No, it was the new year. It was literally the new year. Uh, just because I, any, everybody that knows like me and charity knows that like I was always, always there to, you know, help the company do whatever. And whenever I, whenever we got divorced, I was like, now it's just about me and it's always going to be about me now. And that turned me into a severely shitty person. Really? So, so you felt like you had given so much to other people 
that this was your time to recoup yeah. that and and so you dipped yeah. into narcissistic tendencies I've I've always been a people pleaser uh and yeah so it was like all right now at it's 20 20 I turned 29 like um, two months after after the divorce I turned 29 and I was like it's about me now and I made this big like illustrious like uh Instagram post like I just I bought a motorcycle and I'm sitting on the motorcycle like, trying to look like a badass and I put this big long post up and I was it was like, your coming out party yeah and I was like and I now I think about myself and I was, like I just look at that and cringe just I, I deleted everything else off my Instagram again and I because I was looking at that I'm like dude shut up but it was like a month later like I had a like a spill on that motorcycle oh no it that, we're fine. I'm I'm walked away from it like it was, it was going over a train track, hit a pothole, low sided slid. Um, but it was like just taking shots at like just having to beat my ego down because I thought that I was gonna be so I don't know like I felt like I needed to prove I had to make up for lost time. That's yep. the way to say. It. I felt like I needed to make up for lost time, so I. I literally like tried to do like I okay. There's no way around it. I I turned to dr- drugs and alcohol mm. and just trying to turn all my bad feelings into good feelings. Yeah, and that just pushed me, beat me, burned me into the ground even deeper and deeper until like one day I literally had to wake up and be like, this is not who I am, not who I want to be. Mm. And not who people around me deserve Hmm. because I have the greatest friends and family that have brought me back from the brink of death. Like, and they don't deserve me to, you know, to end up in jail or dead or anything like that because I've made some dumb mistake because you're being selfish because (laughs) I was being so fucking selfish. And it like, so like I said, just this new year, it's it's really turned around. I know we're still early in it, but I I haven't had this mindset before of make sure that you're being a good person, hmm. not because you want people to think you're cool or you know they say nice things about you, but because that's that's who I am at my core. Is like I. I love helping people. I love being the problem solver. I want people to come to me for help. And that doesn't happen whenever you're a complete dick. Hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I spent the last year and a half just, I don't even know how to say it, but being selfish. And it, and it almost sounds like you were punishing yourself. Was that, is that right? Or were you be, just, it or, could be, I, it's funny. Have you ever thought about being a therapist? Um, I, 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 uh, yes, <laughs> I, I, I have, I dabble. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> this You're, is I, what this is. Holy shit. We're on, we're, oh, we're on the record right now. Okay. My bad. Sorry. Um, no, it was, I, I, I did get into therapy and that was one time, like got into therapy about November of 2021. And that was when I did have like the first realization of, Hey, let's wake up. Um, and it was funny, Michael Gallion, uh, who has reached new heights of fame. Yeah, um, the, the dancing blue shirt guy. Blue shirt is it? Dancing blue shirt guy. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, 
I had never met him before. And I had made my way to Merchants of Beer. Uh, shout out to Merchants of Beer and all their bartenders, Sam, yeah. Matt. Um, they, because uh, they've all seen me have a breakdown in there. Uh, mm. There was one night in particular, I had a, a bad breakdown just at, in, at, at the bar. And I was sitting there with Chuck um, and Michael Gallion was there. Who's Chuck? And Chuck is like a staple of old city life. He's uh. He lives in the JFG building. Uh, he's at Merchants of Beer all the time. He's he's always down there. Like I know if you saw him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, that guy. That guy. Um, but and he was sitting there, and I am just I am bawling my eyes out, like just obliterated drunk as well. But bawling my eyes out and just saying all this crazy shit. And Michael Kelly in there is sitting there, like they were having a conversation. I just walk up, and I'm like, just listen to this, guys. And Michael Gallion literally just like he just shakes me. He goes, I don't know you, but you need to get over this and you need to get into therapy. And something about that struck a chord with me. Next day I signed up for therapy and, um, and it was the first time that like I was able to talk to somebody that didn't have skin in the game. It was, you know, it was somebody that didn't know either of us, either me or charity. And, uh, and actually give me an honest opinion about things. And that's, had some big strides there uh but eventually stopped that because it was like a a weekly check-in of like you know pay for an hour and then 20 minutes are like well yep sounds sounds like you're good we'll see you next week and it's just like you i feel like you should ask me more questions <laughs> but you didn't uh and so fell out of that and uh and just fell back into the same old ways uh until he really hit rock bottom. So it was like, we thought we hit rock bottom and then it turns out there's another level. Wow. And, uh, and then that's just when you wake up scared and alone and, and the definitely the darkest place you've ever been. But you're also the person that is like, not going to quit, not going to be, not going to back down. I'm going to be the person I know I am. And that's the problem solver. <laughs> and did, did now you, you had to solve your own problems. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so did you see it as a challenge to get yeah. your shit together? That's, that's, that's kind of what is the difference between last time of getting myself out of a rut and now is like, all right, now we can, we've seen how shitty you can be. Now let's see how good you can be. Yeah. Be and like, I, you know, going through all this, I've had many conversations with my friends and family and a lot of them saying like, didn't know you're going through it that bad. I didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, no one did. Cause like I said, I was, I'm an introvert with extroverted qualities. Yeah. I don't want to cause a fuss. I don't want to, I want to be that guy, but it is now is, it is taking this for me to be like, if I have something that's really bugging me, I'm going to call you know, one of my best friends, we're going to go out to lunch and I'm going to tell them what I'm going through. I'm not going to turn like a whole, you know, friends giving or something like that into like, Hey guys, I needed to complain for a couple of minutes. I like, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to somebody though and let them know what's going on so they can help me think through this. Um, yeah, man, it's, it, it when you say, uh, I look like a look and feel like a different person. You're a thousand percent right. 
because it was a transformation. It was like a Phoenix for lack of a better term, Phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm, uh, I'm so glad to see you on the, on the other side of it. And I love you. And I want to, I, I'm, I'm sad that I didn't notice that it was all going on because I, I much like you want to help people solve those kinds of problems. And I hate to see it. I forgot to make that point. It was, um, when I, like when I'm working, that is, that is like a very happy place for me is because I feel useful. I'm with my friends. We're having a good time. Uh, and then when I'm left to my own devices, it is, a that's when I get into my own head and really start to break myself down and turn to horrible avenues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, like if we were on set together, yeah, we're having a great time. And I, and I probably had a great time when I, I went home, but that weekend when I was just there alone by myself was when it went down. So I don't want anybody to blame themselves for like, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, it's because I made sure I didn't make it seem that way. Yeah, yeah. You put on the put on the happy face, disguised it. Oh yeah. Dealt with your dealt with it yourself. Yeah. You're a burden bearer, Bo. <laughs> Not a burden sharer. Burden bearer, Bo. Yeah, my. Uh, uh, I'm triple B. <laughs> my uh, it, uh, as my uh, my moonlighting as a therapist. Uh, yeah. You uh, should share that burden. Yeah. You share it with me. Man, I appreciate that. I feel like I owe you money after this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, uh, so what else is coming up? Anything we need to know about that you're doing? Are you just, you just living and keeping, keep it on the, keep it on the right path and keeping, uh, improving as a person, buddy. That's, that's what we're doing in 2023. We're, we're fighting the good fight. We're being a better person and we're, uh, we're just always working on ourselves. Like there's a lot of unanswered questions that, there's a lot of questions that people just don't answer because they don't want to. They're possibly scared to, at least I do. Yeah. And, uh, now I'm taking those head on. But, uh, other than that, I'm, I'm playing bass and yelling in a punk band called, yeah. uh, called Ransackery with, uh, my good friends, uh, Ben Phil or, uh, your Ben Fields, uh, Ben Harrison, who owns uh, shield systems, which is where I started doing jujitsu, which also saved me. Um, he's, he's, uh, playing guitar and singing in that band and we have a bunch of really funny punk songs about getting in fights and shit. Do do you have any shows coming up? Uh, I think we're trying to set one up in March for Ben's birthday. We've played two already, but we got, we got new music coming out. So check us out on Spotify. Awesome. Rand Sachary. Rand Sachary. That's great, man. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Uh, just I got the easiest job there. I get to play three chords and just yell into a mic. Hell yes. That sounds uh, great. That sounds just, that sounds like a therapy you need exactly. right there. It is. It's been a good outlet, man. And, uh, but that, and then, uh, we're just, uh, we're, we're in the dead period of production. Yeah. Right now, it kind of so. slows down until so everybody uh, figures out where, where their budgets yeah, are going to land and exactly. then they start spending them. So we're, uh, we're getting my website, uh, redone, new demo reel. And then we're just going to, we're going to hit the ground running, man. Love it, man. Well, I can't wait to work with you some more soon. And uh, absolutely, if there's anybody out there who has the uh, uh, the fortune of working uh, with you this year, or the uh, the opportunity to work with you this year, I hope they get to do it. I appreciate that, man. And I love you. And uh, love you too, uh, thanks brother. so much for. Hey, thanks for listening. Seriously, that was <laughs> that was that was nice. That was let a let off a lot that I uh, didn't plan to, but that was. 
Well, good, man. man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, let's, uh, let's do this again in a year and I'm sure you'll be (laughs) even better. Yeah. Let's hope there's not another pandemic. (laughs) Thanks, man. Love you, brother. Too. All right. How'd we do? Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Talk to you real soon, all right? Pitch wire. Play me 